I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to you. Know, well, you'll see later. I stand for my I know a lot of fucking idiots. I think a lot of shit is mean spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you Impressionists, a staple in the stand-up world for the last 60 years or so. Uh, I feel like every generation has essentially had, uh, you know, one or two people that are not just Impressionists, but only known for impressions. And that trend has kind of died down. People that do great voices now kind of branch out and also do other things. Um, so I felt, uh, you know, the evolution of impressions and impressionists, uh, deserve some dissecting. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I will warn you, this isn't so much, uh, you know, if I was making a documentary about impressionists, I probably wouldn't lean this heavily on just people I enjoyed. So this is a lot of just people I liked I've included. So, uh, just beware of that going through, um, a more laid back episode than we usually do. Um, if you want more, you know, in-depth analysis, bonus episodes, and you want to get these episodes a week early, then make sure you join the Patreon. Um, or you can support the show for free on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts, as you know, because you're already listening. Um, but if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, then uh, get on all of those links, leave us a five-star review, comment, do what you can. And uh, if you like it, subscribe to the Patreon, all of that can be done at blindmike.net. That's what the kids are calling the place to be. So make sure you sign up there. Go to blindmike.net. Uh, choose whatever link applies best to you. And uh, as far as bonus episodes go, um, by the time you guys are listening to this, we, we will have had uh, the Tucker Max episode up there. Um, like I've said, the, uh, a guy that should have had Dave Portnoy's career and now he's a shepherd somewhere in the Midwest. So he's uh, had a pretty interesting downfall. So uh, take a look for that exclusively on the Patreon. We've done Opie versus Jim, uh, a second Joe Matarese episode, the Pelican Brief, uh, Norm on The View, Pablo Francisco, a bunch of bonus episodes up there on the Patreon. So sign up if that interests you. Um, yeah, so like I said, impressionists kind of, uh, I think we're approaching this kind of the way we did roasts, where, you know, it's not necessarily a decade-by-decade uh, um, decade breakdown of who the popular impressionists were. It, we kind of start with, uh, obviously, the classics, and then slowly but surely just get into uh, guys I like. <laughs> but um, we, uh, you know, it is... Interesting because I think as, as time has gone on, like when they started, it was almost like a magic trick. Like early impressionists is almost like, holy fuck, how did he, he sounds just like him. How did he do that? And then once you get used to it, you're like, all right, buddy. Yeah, no, we get it. You can do the voice pretty good. Where's the, where's the juice behind it? What's the rub here? <laughs> you know, it's the ones that don't, that don't switch it up. They're like, all right. Yeah, right. And I mean, I think our, our first guy is a, a, a pretty good example of that. Uh, but obviously, we have to start with the king, uh, Rich Little. I mean, in his time, there were other guys uh, who did good impressions and were known for impressions like uh, Frank Gorshin. Um, before Rich Little, Rich Little, there were guys like Vaughn Meter. I think Vaughn Meter, I listened to his Kennedy, and it's the Kennedy that everyone does to this day. Like he was doing Kennedy when Kennedy was in office and it's literally, you know, it's the mayor from the Simpsons. It's the Kennedy that everyone does. Right. And he was, as far as I could tell, like the first guy to do it. And so that's the case with a lot of these, uh, these old timers is they, they did break the mold. We kind of look at them as, as hacks now. And like Rich Little is a, a go-to name for kind of an old schmaltzy, um, generic comedian, but he did break the mold on a lot of impressions that we still do today. And I think the best example is probably the clip that we have where uh, he's talking to Carson about uh, uh, basically breaking that one down. When I was working on my impression of you, I played it over and over. I'm not particularly easy to do, really. I don't believe. So hold on right there. That's <laughs> that's why I like this clip. Is like I don't. 
maybe Johnny was just oblivious to it, and I'm I'm not aware of how many people did it before uh, Rich Little. But now, like everyone can do Carson, and they're essentially doing Rich Little's and Car uh, Rich Little's Carson. So that's why I thought it was interesting that Johnny was like. Well, I'm not that easy to do because now everyone can do John. Right. Oftentimes it takes one person to figure it out and then everyone kind of does that person's imitation. Yeah, that's basically what we'll learn here is like these people figure out a way, you know, like I think if you were watching uh, the deer hunter or whatever, um, you know, I don't know how many people did Christopher Walken before uh, like Kevin Pollack and Jay Moore and those guys did it. And now literally everyone knows how to do a Walken impression. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe to impersonate. Uh, once you get it, it's a, it's a, it's a good. You're a good subject because you have so many things that you do with the tie and the straight back, and the, uh, you know the. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all, all, all these, all these little, little things. Hey. May a weird holy man put easy off in your shorts. So <laughs> you're <laughs> Yeah, I know we all have little things. You know, you have to you have to lay this in once in a while, Rich. That's right. <laughs> now the odd thing is they chose Rich Little to play Carson in uh, the late shift, the movie version of the late shift. It, it seemed like a very odd choice. Like he does a good impression. I don't know how much he looks like Johnny really. Um, but yeah, it, it is like you hear and break it down the way you'll hear, you know, NFL coaches talk about game tape, like the guys that are really great at it, really getting the weeds of breaking down every little detail. They know the guy's hand movements. They know how he, you know, jostles his tie or holds the microphone, like they study every little detail about them. So sometimes it's not even the voice. It's the fate, like, you know, people the who do De Niro. mannerisms. Yeah. People who do De Niro aren't even necessarily doing the voice. They're doing the scrunched face. Right. Like Will Sasso you know? or something. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's just interesting to hear these guys talk about it the way they do, because uh, literally it's like <laughs> X's and O's coverage. I, I love videos from this time period too, because in the background, Carson's just ripping a dart. <laughs> just, <laughs> right Those are the days, man. Yeah, it was great. Uh, all right, who's next on our list here? Uh, Kaufman. Oh yeah, so th this is interesting because um, Andy Kaufman was, you know, pro again. I always say the first guy. I'm sure he wasn't the first, but like uh, as far as I'm concerned, the first guy to do it very well where he did a great Elvis impression. It's the only impression that he did. And other than, but he did do characters. Um, the most famous being the foreign man, which became Latka on taxi. And so it would be like a, a guy that talks like this and uh, very mild mannered. And he would say like, I, I'd like to do impressions. And then he does uh, Archie Bunker. And he's like, oh, you're stupid. You're so stupid. So the, the impression is terrible. Right. <laughs> and then he breaks into like one of the, he's like, and one, one more impression. And he breaks into one of the great Elvises of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this big production and everything. Um, I, I didn't include the actual impression. What I have is him uh, talking to Johnny about doing the impression. Because God forbid we get taken off YouTube for this goddamn music. Anyways. On Mel Rose, and I saw you do that for the first time. That's a good impression. Was that one of the first things you did? Well, that was that's the only impression I do. The only real, <laughs> yeah, for real. Huh? Yeah, when I was ever since I was seven, I really liked Elvis Presley, and yeah. I would stay in my room and imitate him, play his records, and make believe I was him. And uh, when I was about twenty, I was in college, and I was walking down the street, and. Um, the college was having a, what was called the Soul Time Review. It was a talent show, an all-black all talent show. So the people who were putting it together came up to me and said, you know, they would laugh at me all the time. I don't know why, but they'd always laugh at me. So the, um, they came up to me and said, Andy, how would you like to do a little something for our talent show? And I said, well, I don't know how to do anything, but what I do in my room. So I... <laughs> so I imitated, I went on and I imitated Elvis right. Presley. That's fun when you intimate masturbating in the 70s. That was a good time. <laughs> Big laughs back then. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, he Kaufman does like a, a great Elvis and figured out a way to make it interesting in his act. He's not just like, hey, have you ever thought of like what does Elvis say when he gets his coffee in the morning? You know, <laughs> right? I also- he actually figured out a way to make it very funny. And by the way, I apologize for doing a Latka impression. I just I, it felt weird to talk like a normal human being and do that character. But it was good. It was a good impression. <laughs> Thank. I, uh, I was fishing for that. I do. I do enjoy that. Uh, he went to an all black talent show to do Elvis, who's notoriously known for stealing their music. <laughs> you want to see what this guy took from you folks? <laughs> um, so Elvis, uh, another reason I want to include that is because Elvis is probably the most, for whatever reason, the most impersonated individual, I would say of the last, you know, 60, 70 years. I mean, maybe Kennedy and Nixon and Reagan, mm-hmm. but like, if you're not talking about uh, presidents, it's got to be Elvis because you have all the, you know, Vegas impersonators and well, things like that. I would say he's number two behind Arnold. Oh, that's true. But here's the thing. You don't hire uh, an Arnold impersonator for a wedding or a party or something. Unless he comes like, in to like destroy the cake and stuff. <laughs> I'm marrying my maid that I had a love child with. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but uh, no, Elvis, it, it became this like weird cultish thing i mean he is you know one of the most famous musicians ever a big personality a very easy voice to do so i do get it but like guys that did him very well uh andy kaufman who was one of the best and you know who else does a great elvis and started out doing elvis impressions was dice mm-hmm. um you for everyone forgets uh andrew silverstein was essentially just a character actor correct um, but yeah, he did a great uh, Elvis as well. And uh, the guy that did a great Andy Kaufman, uh, Jim Carrey, it's weird. So I I saw Man on the Moon before I really knew who Andy Kaufman was. Mm-hmm. Or I wouldn't have watched the movie if I didn't know who he was. I, I, I didn't. I don't know that I had watched a lot of clips of Andy Kaufman. Um, so I watched Man on the Moon and then I looked up clips of Kaufman at first. Now, keep in mind, I don't see as well, which probably uh, contributed to it. But I was like, oh, these are clips of Jim Carrey. I want clips of Andy Kaufman. <laughs> like, he does the voice perfectly. He's just kind of timid nature. Like, he does a great Andy Kaufman. Um, and he did a bunch of other very good impressions as well. But Jim Carrey's kind of another guy that, like, he started out as, like, a voice. You knew him as the, the wacky voice guy on stage. Then he did some characters and in Living Color. And then, like, he incorporated that into a lot of his early movies. But you don't think of him as an impressionist now. Like, he might, Jim Carrey might be, uh, he's got to be. I'm trying to think of a close second. A guy that was strictly known for impressions when he started and became so much more than that. Because even, like, Eddie Murphy, I don't, he was known for more than his impression, impressions when he was very young. Yeah, I guess it'd be Jim Carrey and then, like you said, Dice, because that was even an impression or like a yeah. character. And I mean, like Robin Williams would do voices and yeah. shit, but like he did Jim straight stand was kind of the guy that would get on stage and be like, I think it would look a little something yeah. like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, who's next on our list here? Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah, well, I just mentioned him. Um, obviously, a lot of great characters on SNL and he's a guy. So, you know, rich little and these guys would just go up and say like, Hey, here's what Kennedy would say in this situation. Here's what Carson would say in this situation. Here's what Nixon would say. Um, and it was basically just like, I'm showing off impressions to you. Uh, Eddie was just doing stand up and just happened to have a couple bits about guys that he did a great impression of. And uh, I mean, one of the best is James Brown. And like we were talking about with facial expressions and things, Eddie breaks down here, where you don't even have to speak to do a James Brown impression. <laughs> the key to it. You don't even have to be able to talk to sing and get famous. Cause James Brown been singing 20 years. I don't know what the fuck James is talking about. I don't understand shit James said. I met him once at Saturday Night Live. I walked up and said, James, I love your stuff. James said, <laughs> And whatever James is saying is some real heavy shit to James. Because it's real meaningful shit to James. Because at the end of every sentence, he ended off with, <laughs> 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 He meant that shit that he just said, boy. 
everything. <laughs> you get mad, you start putting the needle back, saying, what the fuck did I just miss? Seminar, and the people say, That's a James Brown lyric. He wrote that shit. He's writing a song, so I need a word here. That's good. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's how great Eddie Murphy was, that the premise was essentially just a sound. <laughs> and he's like, I could do like four or five minutes on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Eddie, Eddie obviously did a ton of great shit on SNL and then incorporated it um, into his, into his act. And like the most famous impression he did is probably Cosby where he tells the great story about Cosby calling him and, uh, dressing him down for cursing. And, uh, that really bit Cosby in the ass a few years later. Those stories are always so great because he did it to everybody. (laughs) It's why, yeah, yeah. it, it truly is wild. And so, you know, I don't know if Eddie gets enough credit for talking about that on stage. Now he didn't, uh, go the length that Hannibal Burris did to take down Bill Cosby. But I feel like for Eddie to do that in the eighties, um, to basically shit on Cosby for something, that's a huge deal. Especially for like a young black comedian. It's like, you're always going to be compared in that generation. You were always going to be compared to either prior or Cosby, essentially maybe red Fox, you know? Um, so for him to just like take shots at Cosby is pretty ballsy when you're, I think he was like 25 when Raw came out or something like that. Yeah, he's maybe even young. Uh, yeah, no, he's I think he's 25. 20s, yeah. yeah, he was 25 and I think 26 or 27. He was, um, 20, he was younger than that in uh, Delirious. But Oh, no, sorry. He was 28 when he retired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is insane. Um, all right. Who's, who's next on the old agenda? Uh, good old Gilbert. <laughs> I I really had no reason to throw this in, although that's not true because Seinfeld's a guy that uh, a lot of people did too. Well, this is a classic um, case of him doing it and everyone copying him doing it. I I, I think that's true, yeah, because like even Fallon does a spot on uh, Seinfeld, right? Like he does a perfect Seinfeld to the point where um, they had Seinfeld on Weekend Update uh, when Fallon was doing it. And he's like, you know, I don't talk like that. And Fallon's like, you're talking exactly like this. <laughs> and it was like, it's perfect, uh, you know, caricature-ish Seinfeld. Right. But yeah, to an extent, he they're all copying kind of Gilbert's model. Like Gilbert would go on Howard Stern. I think in the Gilbert episode, we played the clip of uh, Jerry Seinfeld Jr. leaving a message for his father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this is also, he's not only doing Seinfeld in this, but he's doing a, I don't know if you know who David Brenner is, but if you don't mm-hmm. go look him up, because this is a perfect David Brenner too. David Brenner in a deep philosophical conversation with Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, Jerry, Jerry, you don't eat pizza. You don't eat pizza. Hmm. Why do people eat pizza? <laughs> hey, Jerry, you ever tie your shoes? You know when you tie your shoes? Why do people tie their shoes? <laughs> Who are these people? What I love about that too is like that it's a rich littleish style where he's just like, hey, these guys are getting pizza together or whatever. But you know, Gilbert just wanted to fuck around and make fun of Seinfeld for a couple of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, literally, you hear that, and that's like when I do Seinfeld, uh, subconsciously, that's what I'm doing. Why? Who are these people? Exactly. And yeah, Gilbert was, uh, I, I think the first, unless, uh, unless there's someone else, I think it was probably Gilbert. Well, judging by that video, it looked like it came out season one of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of these guys too is like, uh, Jerry, if you just watch Seinfeld, other than rare moments when he does get really high pitched like that, I don't think you would just watch Seinfeld and be like, this would be a real easy guy to impersonate. Right. But like Gilbert realized something in him. And now we all do. Now it's like, oh, pff, Seinfeld. This is everyone can do it. I think it's more of a. Um, I don't think it's the, that impression is always of his stand-up voice. I always found his stand-up voice. Oh, in, so there's well, there's actually a clip of Seinfeld on Fallon, um, the Tonight Show, talking about that, where Jerry goes, you know, you got to. He goes, you do a great me, but you got to update it. He goes, you do, you know, stand-up circa '85 Seinfeld. He goes, you're not doing me now. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Right. Which now apparently you'd pontificate about uh, your writing philosophy and be rude to other comics. You, you ever uh, send a text message? <laughs> that was the worst. Not you. <laughs> uh, next we have uh, Dana Carvey. I mean, one of the one of the greats ever, really. Mm. Like, if you're talking strictly impressions on SNL, maybe it's like Jay Farrow, who we'll talk about later, does great impressions, but didn't have the impact on SNL. Um, I mean, like Jimmy Fallon did amazing impressions, but like Dana Carvey, I think is probably the best they ever had. And he's the guy that, like, I know um, Chevy Chase did Gerald Ford. But after that, they didn't have, like, a staple. Like, I, I don't even know who did Reagan uh, or uh, Jimmy Carter on SNL. I have no idea. Right. People get, uh, you know, like, uh, in their SNL careers, it's like they had one. He's got so many. <laughs> oh, he's got a, a mil- both characters and impressions. Right. Um, But the one, I mean, he did, like... Uh, What's amazing is he would do like Ross Perot, mm-hmm. uh, George H.W. Like he would do a lot of the figures that were in the elections around the time he was on. Right. Um, but the, uh, well, let me hear him talk about the uh, George H.W. impression before I get too much into it. Impressions like the George Sr., the president. Um, did you have an impression or did you just no. have to create that at SNL? I was terrible. No, I'd never done it before and I'd never even thought to do it. I was like, hi, I'm George Bush. I had nothing. <laughs> I had nothing. But then when he won the presidency, it took me a long time. And I was trying to find a hook. I was just watching him. That's how I do it. I don't have any method except watching him. And one night I was with Al Franken and we're sitting around. It's a bad impression. And I just came up with that, that guy over there doing that thing, that thing he does out in that whole area it probably wasn't that well formed but al really started laughing and that was the hook in using your hand. using your hand yeah thinking that guy wow. in that area out there doing that thing he does over there that thing he does and then like what i like to do is wind down on things so they become a character and so over the four years it became you know he may be not going to do it became not god that and the uh. audience took the journey with me and so for the next like 25 years, they always had someone that could do a great uh, impression of whoever was president in very different ways. And often like Phil Hartman and Daryl Hammond both did uh, like very good Clinton impressions. Right. But like Will Ferrell doesn't at all sound like George W. Bush, but he just figured out something about his personality that resonated with people. And that's basically what Dana Carvey did where like, um, I remember uh, in, in other things Dana has done where he's talked about it. I've heard him basically say like, you know, George HW was this guy who worked for the CIA. He was very straight laced and religious. Like we didn't really know how to approach him because he seemed so boring. <laughs> and then it's just, he figured something out. Like he's never said not going to do it. And what, you know, wouldn't be prudent. He's never said any of that shit. Yeah, and with with Feral, it was a lot of the facial exp- uh, expressions were perfect, and the cadence was perfect. And well, I mean, Will Ferrell made up words that George Bush never fucked up. Right, strategery, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, and yeah, so like Dana Carvey figured out a, a great way to do that. He's another one of those guys that talks about it like it's a sport, where um, it's it's similar to like it made me the the way he talks about it made me think of like. Um, you know, like when I lived with uh, buddies in college, um, a couple of my roommates, I would, when we were talking, like if I was saying, you know, if I was uh, reenacting something that my buddy said, I would do an impression of him, but it sounded nothing like him. I just picked up on his personality and was impersonating that. And that reminds me of, so it's what people do with their friends, but Dana Carvey was just able to do that with you know, celebrities where he's like, well, let me figure out what's interesting about him and make fun of that rather than actually doing the voice. I mean, the voice sounds enough like him, right? But it's not like a spot on impression. You right. Know? Exactly. Who's next? Um, staying in the SNL sphere. We got Daryl Hammond. Yeah. This is just, I wanted to give you an example more of uh, someone who sounds pretty much exactly like the person they're doing. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> I come before you tonight 
not to talk about the important business of running the country, but rather to specifically address this huge document that the lawyers for Paula Jones have made so graciously available to the media. <laughs> My fellow Americans, I have read this thing cover to cover, and folks, it's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I take back what I said, by the way. I think Daryl Hammond is probably the best impressionist SNL ever had. Yeah, you think? I Because his are so spot on, and he could do everybody. Like, he was crazy. He didn't have the impact that Dana Carvey did on SNL, obviously. But, like, his impressions truly were phenomenal. And that him doing Clinton there, obviously, made me kind of realize or remember um, I've heard a lot of guys say this, but the one that stuck out to me was Norm, um, who talked about it with, uh, I think I think he was talking about Alec Baldwin's Trump impression, actually, when he uh, kind of went on this rant is too strong. But when he was talking about this, where he's like, in order to do a good, a good impression of someone, you have to kind of love them in a weird way. Right. You can, you can be against them. Like, I have no idea if Daryl Hammond voted for Clinton. But like you kind of have to admire them. You have to approach it from a standpoint of like emulating them. And then you can mock the silly things about them. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, we have other people on the list where it's like they realize the ridiculousness of the person they're impersonating. Mm hmm. But there's also things they find funny about them. You know, <laughs> there's things they appreciate about them. Uh, Mort Saul said something similar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, where like um, you it wasn't know. impressions; it was making fun of them. But it came from like, no, a similar but I, place. I, yeah, I think it. I think it holds true. Where it's like, if you're gonna mock someone, there can't be anger behind it. Right. You can't get on there and go, I'm Bill Clinton and I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well that's not. Tone it back a little bit. I want that. <laughs> That would have been terrific, though. Mm. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Daryl Hammond might be uh, the best pure and You're just talking voices. But Phil Hartman was another great one. But the thing I found about Phil Hartman when I was, like, looking through clips of his, they were all kind of the same voice. They were the same, like, two or three voices that he did. But he's another one. He captured their essence. Right. And he did, like, when he would do the Frank Sinatra talk show, he just captured the f Goomba side of Frank and really, uh, you know, highlighted that. Right, like uh, uh, Jim Brewer doing Joe Pesci on SNL. I don't think it sounded like him at all, but the essence it's was just a high-pitched, yeah. <laughs> I'm Joe Pesci. Yeah, right. <laughs> Boy, we're pretty good. Yeah, we're killing it. We should go on the road. Um, next, we have probably our generation's most known impressionist, Frank Caliendo. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And he's a little more cut from the cloth of Rich Little, mm -hmm, exactly. where you're going to see, you know, the magic trick. Like I said, you're going to see the impressions. But I do think Caliendo works harder at making making up some reason why he's doing these impressions. You know, like he I think he's better at crafting a conceivable reason why you would talk about John Madden and then in the next breath be talking about George Bush. I think he was a little better at that uh, aspect of it, but this is him. He, he's a, he's a master and he does some that I've never heard people do before. And I think you hear a couple of those in this clip. But for example, I always use this as an example, Pacino. They teach you in acting that it's all about being incredibly curious. Well, Pacino takes it to the next level. Like you could, you know, turn on a light. He's like, wait a second. You flip the switch over here. The light goes on over there. Whoa, <laughs> this is sorcery. You know, so uh, or just breaking down speech patterns. Um, if you watch uh, Robert Downey Jr. does this thing where he talks slow at the beginning and speeds up at the end and sounds like he had to burp halfway through. Okay, so... Are we on the same page or not? It, you know, yeah. there's, there's that type of stuff, which can, you know, that finds its way. It's almost like you're teaching people how to do them or the impressions. It's interesting because if you start with Robert Downey Jr. and slow it down and race, the pitch, it becomes Dr. Evil. Yeah. Throw uh -huh. me a freaking bone. And then you add some Aaron. It's Donald Trump, quite frankly. So it's odd that they're all, they're so close. 
You go, can I hold Kermit the Frog here? And then you bring it down, and it becomes John C. Riley. Did you touch my drum set? And then it becomes Mark Ruffalo. I, I see this is an absolute win. And then you can actually add a little more Kermit back, and it's Joe Rogan. Wow, Jamie, pull that up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, pull it up. Pull it up. So... <laughs> he does. So Caliendo's <laughs> been doing uh, some shit on TikTok, which like Caliendo's uh, a rare, you know, fifty-year-old man that TikTok was made for. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because there's like, you know, in his act, it's got to be difficult to incorporate a John C. Riley impression. That was insanely good. But that's a perfect John C. Riley. Yeah. does. And I, I've never heard anyone do John C. Riley. I've never heard anyone do Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if that's an easy one to do, but I've never heard anyone do it that good. No, definitely not. Um, and then his Rogan was great. There's actually, like, if you go to his uh, TikTok, I think there's somewhere he's, like, dressed up as the people or something, and he has the Rogan background behind him. And so he'll, he'll be doing that where he's teaching um, the different cadences and everything. Mm-hmm. So he'll just say a word. He'll do one word as every person that he does. Like, you know, Al Pacino saying banana. And uh, you would get to Rogan's. He'd go, Jamie, pull up bananas. <laughs> it's I like, always Jamie, pull that up. I like how that's like the uh, the joke now is Jamie, pull that up on like yeah. everything you hear. It's very funny. But like, I don't think, uh, is there, I know it was done to death because he was doing some, uh, like the football coverage and everything, but. I don't know if there was a better impression than his Madden, like of anyone doing anything. Yeah, that's the problem. I think it's so Caliendo does so many voices mm-hmm. that he's able to do. Like I said, some, some we just heard there. We've never heard anyone else do. Um, but Madden and Bush was what he was known for. So I bet if you see him now, he still does John Madden, even though he's been dead for a couple of years. Um, the problem that I think guys like Rich Little fell into is like everyone wanted to see there his Nixon, his Carson, um, you know the few, the few big ones that he, those those are really his biggest Nixon, Carson, Reagan, um, but then by the year you know like by the nineties, people are like I don't want to hear about fucking Reagan anymore. I don't <laughs> want to hear about Nixon. <laughs> you know why yeah. why are you doing this? <laughs> Caliendo has kind of like continued to update it, so I think like. He is definitely of that style of Rich Little, um, but I think he's done a better job at adapting. Now, to be fair, um, I haven't seen. I saw him. He's actually the first comedy show that I went to. I think Frank Caliendo. Uh, my parents took me to see Frank Caliendo live. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is the perfect one to bring a kid to. But I haven't seen him since then, uh, so I don't know what his act is like now. But just when I've heard him on interviews, like I said, on his TikTok and everything, mine was uh, my, yeah, mine was Chris Rock. So like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, you know who else he uh, broke is um, uh, Charles Barkley. Oh yeah, definitely. Him saying "terrible" is how everyone does it now. I'm pretty sure he used to dress up like him too on television. <laughs> he certainly did. Frank TV was a. Uh, oh god. Sorry about that. Um, we'll cut that out in post. Frank TV was uh, uh, an odd concept for a show where it was basically like Mad TV, but Frank Caliendo was doing every single character. Yeah. And it's like, this is, it's just not sustainable. You'd have to do the same sketches every week at a certain point. Like, you only, he has a lot of impressions, but only so many people want to see. Listen, Frank, you can't do blackface anymore. <laughs> Well, it was a different time. Let's not forget. Uh, yeah, and I will I do say, remember. Okay. Um, whatever, whatever year that was, that baseball playoffs. Um, what sunk Frank TV from the get go was people watching TBS uh, during the playoffs. All you saw every half inning, you would see a Frank TV commercial. Yep. And people were just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I don't know how good the show was, but people were sick of it before it even started. Yeah. And I will say, though, in the uh, I know I brought up Madden and we were talking about that being like his crutch. And the stuff I've seen the last five, six years of his, it's not very much, but I have not seen that once. So maybe. No, well, he does like, um, I've seen him do the cast of Seinfeld, which he used to do a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But he'll do like essentially uh, similar to the Twitter accounts, modern Seinfeld. They'll do like the cast of Seinfeld in a modern day plot, like which is pretty smart. Oh yeah. So definitely. yeah, I do think he tries to keep it up to date. Um, next we have one of my favorites, uh, Kumia doing dice. 
Yeah, so this is how guys started to incorporate it into radio. And there were two guys in radio history um, that I thought were like genuinely great at it. That weren't just, I hate to keep bashing Rich Little here, but it's the best example. Mm-hmm. Weren't just the Rich Littles of radio where it's like, hey, I can do this voice. Uh, Kumia was one of the greats at making it into a bit. Um, and when I say in radio, like Gilbert was great at it on radio, but I'm not counting him because he wasn't an actual radio host. Right. Um, but yeah, Kumia actually would brought uh, Jim Norton to the Opie and Anthony show was um, Club Soda Kenny, who's like Dice's tour manager. And he met, he's uh, he works with like Bill Burr now. And he worked with Amy Schumer and Jim Norton, and a bunch of people. Um, he was Dice's guy back in the day. And he went to Dice and was like, Andrew, they're talking, they're talking about you on the radio, <laughs> like this morose news. And Dice listened to it and he's like, oh, these guys are hilarious. So let me go on the show. And that's how Norton ended up getting on there. But anyways, um, this is, uh, I believe this is a bit called Andrew Dice Gay, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, you were saying there was two, Kumi and who? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, okay. I just make sure we didn't lose our, t- our spot. But yes, Andrew Dice Gay. Oh my God! How, the fear oh. running around in Midwest right now—it's just these truckers. This—it's scary. Yeah, there's oh, nothing gay about like that. It. Just, just relaxing. That's what this Brokeback Mountain shit is gonna just. People, That's my favorite movie. <laughs> Two cowboys—they're in love and they can't even show and share their love with each other. How sad! Isn't that sad? How do I quit you? Oh! oh How do I quit you? Oh, I don't know. That is, I can't quit. How do I I shoot a load of goo. I used to joke about that. Now it's a sweet precious gift. It's a sweet precious gift between two men. Again! That's so sad. <laughs> and he would also do uh, uh, when Colin Quinn would come on, he would make him do Andrew Dice Kelly, which was just Dice saying Bobby Kelly things. <laughs> Dude! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but like uh, Kumia could do uh, a lot of great impressions, um, but he was able to do them like conversationally, mm-hmm. which I feel like a lot, you know, the problem with a lot of guys in radio, A, they didn't do the quality impression that Anthony did, but they would also be like, okay, I do a good Dice impression. Maybe we have the Andrew Dice Clay dating game. Like they would try and think of a scenario. Like how can I use this impression where Anthony was just like when Dice came up or when something that would be funny to use the Dice voice came up, he would throw it out there, you know, <laughs> him watching Brokeback Mountain is terrific. Isn't that sad? <laughs> <laughs> I used to write jokes about goo. Now it's a gift. <laughs> a precious gift. A precious gift. <laughs> uh, um, next, we have uh, Bill Hader uh, doing Keith Morrison. This is one of my favorites ever. First of all, I think Bill Hader's one of the more underrated guys in SNL history. I think he's mm-hmm. hilarious. And probably the guy, him and Andy Samberg were like the guys from SNL, like of my period of SNL, uh, like when I was in high school. Um, but one of my favorite sketches ever on SNL was Keith Morrison. And I think this is a great skill to bring a guy like, I mean, if you watch Dateline, you know who Keith Morrison is, but you know, it's like high schoolers and college age kids watching SNL. They're not like, Oh good. Finally, someone's taking down Keith Morrison, (laughs) you know, like they don't know who the fuck that is. So Bill Hader's true talent here, I think is being able to do an impression of someone that people don't know necessarily, but they still get it. You're like, oh, okay, I get what he's doing here. And uh, this is him talking to uh, Dan Patrick, I think, about that impression. It's always so random. Yeah, my favorite, he actually said this and we did in a sketch. He was talking (laughs) to a woman and he said, uh, uh, this woman said, you know, my husband was missing and 
we didn't know where he was. And the cops, two days later, they found his car and they looked in the trunk and, um, and he was in the trunk and Keith Morrison said, was he all right? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, he was dead. Yeah. Went, oh, no. <laughs> Give me a Keith Morrison tease that they're going to break. Oh, on, on, on Dateline. On Dateline? Yeah, yeah. So when he has that, as they're going um, to break. Yeah, what does he do when they go to break? He's like, well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the DNA. Oh, that pesky <laughs> DNA. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing he actually said. Yeah. <laughs> John Mulaney texted me. He's like, Morrison just said that pesky DNA. <laughs> yeah. So John Mulaney, who's another one of my favorite comedians ever, um, him and Bill Hader would write together. Like a lot of Bill Hader's sketches was him and Mulaney writing. And they were both fascinated by Keith Morrison because he, Keith Morrison's the guy on Dateline. Um, and actually not long ago, just like a month ago, um, my girlfriend was watching, what was it? The Idaho murders. Was that the big one? Or was it Iowa? I forget. Uh, one of those I states. Uh, yeah. Big one where four kids died. I don't know, but something like it was, it was a big one. I think it was Idaho. <laughs> and, uh, it was on Dateline and, uh, Alba was like, Oh my God. She's like, this guy, Every commercial break, he's like, he's giving a tease. Like, it's a fun topic. And I was like, oh, shit, is that Keith Morrison? Like, I ran into the room. <laughs> because uh, they, they were both fascinated by Keith Morrison. And uh, both of those things you heard there, the examples he gave, were in um, sketches that they did where he was playing Keith Morrison. And it was basically the tease of, like, uh, literally what Keith Morrison actually said was... Um, he thought he got away with it. If it wasn't for that DNA. <laughs> oh, that pesky DNA. <laughs> and uh, the other one I always loved that they used, I think it was like Buscemi was in the sketch and he was playing the murderer that Keith Morrison was in interviewing. And uh, Buscemi's like, yeah, and, uh, and then I killed him. And uh, Keith Morrison goes, did you kill him with kindness? <laughs> he goes, no. <laughs> With a rock. With an axe. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, go look up those sketches, folks. They're a, they're a hoot. But um, what's next? Next, we have what I think might be the most underrated person on all of these videos, and that is Jay Farrow. So Jay Farrow is, yes, you're right. He's underrated. He does the best voices like a thousand percent. If you're talking about accuracy of the voices where he could convince you, he's the person it's him, mm -hmm. but I just don't know if he ever figured out anything else around that. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't able to connect the one I wanted to send you was him just doing Denzel where the first sketch I ever saw Jay Farrow in was uh, it was Denzel Washington was uh, studying for a role and uh, like he worked at a retail store or something. And so uh, Jane Lynch is coming in to return a handbag. He's like, you want to return this handbag? Like, he does a perfect <laughs> Denzel, but like every SNL sketch, it there was no way I could cut it in under four minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just lasted so goddamn long. Right. So I figured this was actually better. This is him on Fallon doing as many impressions as he can in a minute. And you get a taste for how he just says, you know, a couple of words and you get a feel for how accurate his impressions are. All right. That's the that's set up for this. Let's do that. Yep. Jay-Z. Chia. Both. Denzel Washington. All right. Okay. Okay. That's what it is, right? You're okay. Uh, uh, Kevin Hart. Hey, listen, first of all, the problem. <laughs> I've never heard anyone do, do that. that Jimmy, what's the problem, man? Uh, Shaq. Shaq. Listen, this is ridiculous. Uh, uh, the Seth Rogen. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. uh, Pete Davidson. Uh, yeah, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Hey, yo, one, two, three, into the five. Uh, 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 President Obama. Uh, okay, now I, I, I understand uh, that I'm appreciated in Hawaii. That's why I go there uh, okay. and I spoke. Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx. Hey, hey, what's up, baby? How's everybody feeling? Yeah. Uh, uh, how about uh, the, the Rock? Uh, you know what, Jabroni? The Rock says this. If you're gonna read my name, call me Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
you you can't really hear it there. They're fucking buzzing and beeping all over him. Yeah, but he does a great Eddie Murphy in a way that I'd never heard anyone do. Like he does regular Eddie Murphy talking. Right. right. You know, like the way Eddie Murphy was when he went back for like SNL 40, where he was very weird and subdued. Yeah. <laughs> he does that Eddie Murphy, which like, I've like Ari Spears who does great impressions. Uh, he was on mad TV. Like he would do the Hercules Hercules, like that Eddie Murphy, like mm-hmm. crazy Eddie Murphy. But Jay Farrow does just like regular talking Eddie Murphy, which is pretty impressive. But yeah, that Kevin Hart, I've never heard anyone do Kevin Hart. That's perfect. It's one of those ones you close your eyes. Like I don't know. I would think it was him. Yeah. Right. Denzel, same way. Does a great Denzel. You know what's, um, you know what's weird though, is that might be the worst I've ever heard him do Denzel in this. Cause video. he was trying to do it quick. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Go, go. If you haven't heard it before, I should have included a better him doing Denzel, but like I said, it was just hard to clip into a, you know, one minute thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his Denzel, his Will Smith is perfect. Yes. Yes, it is. Kanye, uh, Lil Wayne, basically any black influential black person in the last 30 years he can do. I will say there was definitely a race. He wasn't nailing in that video. <laughs> well, I, I don't like, I didn't think he did Jamie Foxx. Great. Like I wish they included the ones he did a little better than like Seth Rogen and Jamie Foxx. Yeah. I will say, um, we were talking about when we were talking about Frank Caliendo, about no one really doing, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I hadn't heard anyone try the rock before and he friggin' nailed it. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. I don't know. Yeah, he, he does some uh, unbelievable ones. But his, yeah, his Denzel is better than uh, I, I give it credit there. So go look that up if you haven't heard it before. Um, another guy, if we're talking SNL, that I uh, thought about. Inclu- I mean, there's so many. We could have gone on for days. There'll probably be a I part really, like, two. Yeah. I know people are going to send me ones that I missed, and I'm well aware of it. It's just like I wanted to keep it to around an hour. Um, But like there's some... That like I was talking about sound nothing like the person, but he captured something and made us realize like Andy Samberg's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. say, hi, say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> hey, He's the first person that kind of broke that like, that he yeah. talks like this, like that he has that cadence. <laughs> say hi to your mother for me, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, next, uh, we were talking about this before we recorded, but uh, Soder. Yeah, so this is, this is, in my opinion, is the other great guy in radio history that did impressions. Um, and I think it played very well on the bonfire. Sadly, he just left the bonfire, so he won't be on that program anymore. Um, but he was able to incorporate a lot of his characters into great bits. And the thing that I think he did best was taking different characters and injecting them in essentially the opposite of whatever situation they would usually be in. Uh, like, and it felt very natural, but like he does a great macho man. Um, he does a good Rodney. He does, he does a lot of, uh, very good impressions, Mm -hmm. but my favorite that he's ever done. And proof of that is he's the only guy I sent two clips of instead of one (laughs) is his, his adult Winnie the Pooh, I think is fucking hysterical there's literally do yourself a favor if you've never heard it before there's like a half hour or 25 minute compilation on youtube just search dan soder winnie the pooh and watch whatever comes up (laughs) yeah exactly but this is him uh uh if um if winnie Winnie the pooh were in the film boogie nights Oh, that's sad sack of shit. I know, I know Peter Cullen. I won't work with him. Exposing himself to me when we were doing the Winnie the Pooh movie. Peter Cullen said, why don't you come in the sound studio? I've got a big pot of honey. When I walked in there and he was lathered in it, jerking off all over the console. I said, we're doing a movie here. He said, if you were a real bear, you'll suck all this honey off my dick. Hey, Pooh. Are you fucking getting cum all over my goddamn soundboard? Yeah. Because I gotta be honest with you. There's fucking robot cars out there. Alright? I need everybody to focus right now. We can really use a bear out there. Have if you I'm seen, being honest. Have you seen Star Wars? People tell me I look a lot like Han Solo. <laughs> I, I, 
can't tell you something, Pooh. I think it's just fucking people being nice. Do you walk out down at Victor's? No, I would see you. <laughs> How much do you squat? <laughs> yes, Chauncey, right? What did the Pooh say? Let's just say at the same time, okay? Okay, One, 300. Two, three. 300. Oh, you didn't yeah. say anything. You weren't going to say either. <laughs> Todd Parker. <laughs> I, th- I didn't. I thought you lived in Breeze. I live in Breeze. Todd, what the fuck are you doing? What did the Pooh and Honestly, I could have just included him saying Todd Parker over and over again. That, I don't know why that gets me. It's so funny. Uh, but the thing about Soder is he does masterful impressions and doesn't use any of them on stage. No, and just so people understand how good his Macho Man is, uh, they did a, a a wrestling video game within the last few years, and yeah. his Macho Man was so good they paid him to, to so they could put Macho Man in the game, and he did his voice. <laughs> Yeah, there's a bunch I could have included of Soder. He does really good voices. Like I said, never uses them. If you just watched him on stage, you'd never know he did impressions at all. He does a great Sam Elliott, which yeah. I don't know if a lot of people do that because yeah. your voice is, you have to get that deep register. Mm-hmm. But he does a perfect Sam Elliott. Um, he made a couple of years ago. Do you remember uh, uh, South Park had a storyline that involved Winnie the Pooh? No, it was a couple of years ago when the, like Mickey Mouse was basically the head of China, or, oh, yeah. or no, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh was supposed to be. They were making fun of the pre, the president of China, who they said looks like Winnie the Pooh. Yes, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they were looking for, and I know Sodor auditioned for that, and I guess didn't get it, which bums me out because he does it perfectly. I think. Um, the other thing I want to include of him, we have one more. Uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh impression, but the other one I thought about including, but it doesn't make sense if you hear it in a short clip. But go search out um, Legion of Skanks trick a Fox News reporter. Yep. The, the, the Reader's Digest version is um, some Fox News reporter mistakenly thought Louis J. Gomez and Dave Chappelle were best friends for some reason. <laughs> so they called her live on air and patched through Dan Soder who did a Dave Chappelle impression and she thought she was interviewing Dave Chappelle. <laughs> it's a brilliant, I'm not doing it justice. It's a brilliant uh, episode um, where they, they trick this lady. So go look that up. But I just wanted to play one more um, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> like a party. Come on, babe. What should happen if you forget about me? Semi unfair. I'll come into your life and murder you, you little motherfucker. Forget about me, and I'll fuck your goddamn I'll fuck your goddamn life up. He's my favorite thing. Now the planet Earth is your Winnie the Pooh. You're, you're fucking up to date, real world Winnie the Pooh when the cameras aren't rolling. Is my favorite thing in the fucking world. Go back to that, though, so we can see that when he says that. He goes, "If you forget about me, we'll have some big fucking problems now, won't?" Here it is. <laughs> if you forget about me, silly old fair. I won't ever forget about me, Pooh. I promise. Not even when I'm a hundred. Oh, well, if you live to be a hundred, it means you died it well. I've seen your mother. You'll clock out by 70. Heart <laughs> disease runs in your family, Christopher Robin. You come from a family of drunks. Why do you think you're talking to a bear? You have fetal alcohol syndrome. I, I hope people are enjoying that as much as I do. Uh, it's so funny. <laughs> Every so often, maybe once a year or something, I'll go back and listen to that when I, when I need it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of my favorite things ever. But yeah, yeah Dan Soder has a bunch of uh, very good impressions, which hopefully I think he's trying to get like a cartoon off the ground or something. So hopefully he's able to uh, incorporate that somehow. Um, by the way, we're about three or four into where I said we're just playing my favorite. You guys probably noticed that, but... Now we're just playing guys I like at this point. Yeah. Including this next one, Shane Gillis. Yeah. I mean, this is, I I do think he does. The reason I wanted to include it. First of all, he's talking about figuring out how to do the impression, Mm -hmm. which I thought was applicable to our discussion here. But um, he's the guy that should have been like, he could have made the last six years. If it wasn't for fucking Seth Simons, he could have made the last uh, six years actually hilarious rather than what they became in a lot of ways. Has it been that uh, long since Trump was elected? That that oh right, I got okay. I get what you're saying. I thought you meant since yeah. he got fired. 
was like, no, Jesus. no, that was uh, almost four years ago. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so here's him talking about figuring out the Trump impression. I will say this. The one thing that sucked about Trump losing was, for me, was because I just figured out kind of how to do his voice. <laughs> Which, that's kind of a bummer that I just... It's not hard to do Trump. It's very... All you have to do, that. Just do that. Do that a second off from where it should be in the sentence. And then all you like... You don't have to sound like him. All you have to do is like get his cadence down. It's very easy. All you have to do is like describe something and then say you described it that way. <laughs> That's it. It's every time. Like, what a big room this is. I walked in here. I said, wow, what a big room. <laughs> That's it. Every time. Austin. A lot of homeless. <laughs> I walked in here. I said, wow, that's a lot of homeless. <laughs> so I think Shane kind of had the opposite problem of what we were talking about with Dana Carvey, where like no one did George H.W. Bush. Everyone did Trump. Mm -hmm. Like Trump was easy to do. And Shane had to figure out a different angle, which almost, I, in a way it can make it harder to be funny um, because everyone does it. So, you know, you know your instinct might be like, oh, this guy's doing Trump. It's going to be a hack thing. But he was able to come up with like really funny, like um, Gillian Keeves have two, mm -hmm. probably the two best Trump sketches that have been made in the last six years, eight years, whatever. Yeah. Go on YouTube and look up Trump speed dating and just enjoy yourself if you haven't yeah. seen it. Trump speed dating and uh, Trump as Hitler <laughs> were the two. Um, I'm Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, truly great. So uh, I think we rounded out with uh, our usual closer here, right? Yep. Hit the uh, the horns. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is basically just an excuse to play Norm, but we had to because he does do impressions. <laughs> and this is really an example of a guy like the it's all about the delivery because there's no real reason this is funny, but Norm doing it makes it hilarious for some reason. You can tell Seinfeld's really loving it. The only guy, the only guy I can really do is Richard Nixon. Well, that's, uh, you're over, you, yeah, I see that. But I can do an exact Richard Nixon. Okay. And it's, uh, I can only do one thing. Okay. But he's being interviewed by David Frost. Right. And, you know, they, they made a movie where they pretended David Frost. Yes, Frost won, But in the real tapes, Nixon won, you know, clearly. Right. But uh, anyways, it was very funny because Nixon would use <laughs> the <laughs> ridiculousness of Watergate uh, against his uh, interlocutor. Right. And so, uh, so at one point, David Frost says, uh, says now when Howard Hunt and uh, G. Gordon Liddy broke into the, uh, the uh, Watergate Hotel, they were wearing, uh, they were wearing wigs and uh, listening devices. And Richard Nixon goes, well, I suppose you could say they were wearing listening devices, or perhaps you'd call them hearing devices. And wigs. That's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, there's no, he's literally just repeating something Nixon said once. <laughs> For some reason, it, work, it comes off as hilarious. There's a, that, Norm is a perfect example of uh, an impressionist that does nothing like the real person, like his Burt Reynolds, but it's the funniest Burt Reynolds thing. is a great, and, and he, like his Larry King doesn't really sound like Larry King. Right. It's just, he kind of captures that. But yeah, Burt Reynolds is the best example of like, he just kind of got that cool, like, I don't give a fuck sort of a thing. Like, right. almost annoyed that he has to be there, but yeah. making the most of it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's my list of uh, great impressionists. I'm sure you guys are going to tell me one. Oh, we missed one that I wanted to talk about. There's one aspect of impressionists that I did want to mention. Um, like I said, we talked about Pablo Francisco on the, uh, on the Patreon. Was that, sir? <laughs> What's that, sir? You don't think I can get out of this? <laughs> you just think I can get out of this. Uh, but Pablo Francisco is a guy, and this is the downfall of a lot of impressionists, is when uh, their entire act is based around impressions. 
they like manically, uh, even off stage, like Pablo Francisco would be on radio shows. Um, I almost included a, a clip of Caliendo making fun of him for this, actually, uh, where he's all over the like, you'll be having a conversation and all of a sudden he's breaking into the movie guy voice. And then he's doing, and then he's doing Arnold. And it's like, what the fuck? I would just, I'm talking to you, Pablo. Jesus. <laughs> and so that's the downfall of some impressionists where they don't have anything to talk about to other human beings and just sort of like bizarrely segue into their impressions. Yep. Him and uh, an honorable mention, Michael Winslow. Oh, that too. Yes. Michael. Win so there are such a thing as voice instrumentalists. I feel like, on the podcast, it wasn't the best thing to just listen to a guy going beep boop wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. That seemed pretty, pretty interesting. Good. If we bring back police academy, sign me up. <laughs> but there are guys like that who will do like, uh, you know, fake trumpeting or guitar playing like with just their mouth, which is very impressive. But I don't know if I'd pay to see an hour of it. No, definitely not. You leave with a headache. <laughs> Uh, all right. So yeah, send me, send me, uh, whoever I missed. We'll talk about it. Um, maybe we'll do a part two on the Patreon someday. And if you want to sign up for that, the easiest place to find it would be blindmike.net. That is, uh, where you can find our link tree, um, Patreon. We got merch up there. It, uh, it only takes about nine months to get to you. So feel free to order <laughs> some merch and, uh, you can subscribe to all the free links, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you will find the links there for this program. Why are you laughing for the blind Mike project for who are these socials um, support all the, the many, many shows that I do. And like I said, if you want bonus episodes and episodes a week early, go to the Patreon blindmike.net is where you can find all of that. And if you want to check out what Craig's doing, uh, if you like, if you enjoyed the Andrew Dice gay character, I want to see it done with less tact then go to verygoodshow.org because that's where modern day shock jocks are, uh, you know, hide, hide your daughters folks, because the very good show boys are here. Yeah. Verygoodshow.org are, uh, is our, our link tree, uh, free episodes, Patreon and, uh, our merch also. So if you want to wait 11 months, go there. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. All right, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you guys next time on why are you laughing? <laughs>